Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Hey, all you dog-loving peeps out there. Welcome back to the No Bad Dogs podcast with me, Tom Davis, America's Canine Educator, the podcast where we love, live, and of course, we work with dogs. Um, you guys are the best. Uh, I appreciate you guys so very much. And uh, I just wanted to say that thank you for anybody out there that came to the UK seminar that's listening to this. You guys made it very special. The UK seminar was just a blast. Um, really, really fun. We went over there with uh, five people and we put on an absolute clinic at this venue uh, in Bourne End, right outside of London, working with reactive dogs and off-leash dogs and just building uh, relationships and helping people out with their dogs. And one of the things I always try to tell people is I don't know everything and I'm and I'm learning something new every day, but my goal with working with anybody, especially in a seminar, is to, to change their, their relationship with their dog for the better. And uh, we did that with every single person that brought their dog to us. And it's very special. Seminars are a whole new, it's just a different vibe. And if you haven't been to one of my seminars or just a seminar in general, it's, it's a lot different. It's, it's, it's a very like you become a family over a weekend and you get attached and it's, it's very emotional and it's just a, it's a lot of good energy. And so anyway, thank you guys so much for the UK seminar for anybody that came out and uh, we can't wait to come back because we definitely are. And we got some other uh, UK stuff planned and we got a lot of stuff planned. So make sure you guys stay tuned on my Instagram here on the podcast and all my other social medias, but this is a great podcast with uh, a, a, a lady that's dealing with two dogs that are fighting randomly. One of the harder things to work with when you have inconsistent behaviors, because if it's inconsistent, it's very difficult to, to isolate the triggers. So that's exactly what this session is. I hope you guys like it. If you guys want to support the No Bad Dog movement, you can join the official No Bad Dog Army Members Club 
you guys don't know what that is, it's uh, you guys watch my YouTube videos, 15, 20 minutes long. The official No Bad Dog Club is literally uh, the full-length videos. It's also going to be uploading hours and hours and hours of from the seminar. So if you guys sign up today, you're already getting backlog 10 hours of stuff, and we're adding a couple hours every single week. So it's just continual education, full-length stuff. Uh, it's really enjoyable. The The information is in the link below. I hope you guys like this, and yep, let's get into it. Uh well, hopefully after this hour will be much better. Mainly my dog fights. Not all the time. I'm never sure like what's going to set them off. We got another dog in April. Uh, she was 18 months at the time. She's um, probably really close to purebred uh, German Shepherd. Mm -hmm. Of course, the Humane Society can't guarantee that, so they say mix. Mm-hmm. We've always had um, shepherd mixes. We currently have an 11-year-old shepherd hound mix. And we've been looking for another dog for several years. And we found this one. And it seemed that the older dog, you know, it was a good meet and greet. She accepted her. It seemed, took that, you know, stance, you know, I want to play with you kind of thing. So we were encouraged. Things started out okay. Um, they were eating and the um, younger dog walked over to the older dog, and there was a little scuffle. So it's like, okay, definitely we have to separate them more. Then there was, it's, it's kind of like, I guess, resource guarding. They, they, used, they, they generally have played well together, but then there was a dispute over a cow hoof. Then there was an incident, and, and these are spread out. So I was by myself. I had the dogs outside. They were playing well. And the next thing I know, there's a fight, and I was the only person there. And they pretty much exhausted themselves. The most recent thing was we were all, um, we were sitting, I was sitting in the living room with the dogs. Everything was nice and quiet. UPS comes and rings the doorbell. Mm -hmm. And the younger dog um, stands up, starts to bark. The older dog stands up and kind of like, you know, puts her head over the younger dog, and then there was a fight. So, I mean, I just, right now, we've been pretty much keeping the younger dog in a muzzle because I can't mm -hmm. let the older dog get hurt anymore. She's had some pretty extensive <laughs> damage to her neck several times. Mm -hmm. um, and in through this, uh, she, she's now lost both upper canines. One was a good, uh, a clean extraction. Got must have got caught in the collar. The other one, she's she broke the um, other canine at the gum line, and she's scheduled for surgery to have that root removed. Okay. So you have. So, so how old is your older dog? Eleven. Oh, okay, older. And then how old is your younger dog? She's now two. Okay. And so in the beginning, they were okay. So. It seems to me that, and, and I've dealt with this before, that you're dealing with with a dog that um, they're not consistently fighting. It it it's it's not. So my point is, is it's not that maybe they don't like each other because a lot of times what'll happen is is dogs that don't like each other will go after each other every chance they get. And this seems like it's more situational um, with different variables potentially. And yes. so um, you said that th that do you think it's resource guarding uh, the, the the door thing makes sense to an extent 
if the dogs get overly stimulated and they redirect on each other, that doesn't surprise me terribly. Um, the other incident outside, do you think that there was a bone or a toy or something going on? There, probably, yeah. And I don't know that it's because for the longest time they were they seemed well. I mean, we had we had toy stuffing everywhere and mm-hmm. bits all over the living room, and they they would they would be fine together. And they would even outside a lot of times they would play like you know. A, a tennis ball and yeah. the older dog would kind of pick it up and drop it and kind of tease the younger dog, but in a playful way. And then, it, you know, the, they would play and they would chase each other and it'd be fine. And even after, even after a fight, you know, once um, the older dog ha- has time to heal and um, is comfortable again, she indicates she wants to play, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? And they'll, they'll, I'll let them outside and they'll run together. Of course I'm right now. A lot of time, I'm keeping the muzzle on the younger dog a right, lot. Right. I don't like that, but I don't. I, my family is, in particular, my husband is really frustrated in. It's, um, I mean, we all are, mm-hmm. but it's like it, it, it comes down to it, he he's going to get rid of the younger dog, mm-hmm. and and I, I think she's a. I mean, I know she's a good dog, but I just need to find out how to. What to do to work with them to yeah because i can't predict exactly what's going to yeah and that's 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 going to be the hardest thing is you're not going to be able to to figure out when this is happening uh which is difficult that's the hardest thing about your situation is it's it would be easier if there were variables it would be a lot easier if it was more consistent because then i mean it makes my job easier for sure because i'd say hey okay, no more treats, no more bones, no more stuffies, that's it. And it's like, okay, let's try that. <clears throat> but when it's not, when it's not uh, consistent with why they're going after each other and or you don't have enough information to figure out why it's happening in the first place, and because it is so inconsistent, it could happen at random times, you have a couple different options. I think, so you feel like the younger dog is, is the aggressor? I don't know if she's necessarily the aggressor. Um, so, so, sometimes it, it's like the older dog is. Um, well, let, let me see. I'm trying to. I'm trying yep. to figure out how to say this exactly. Um, a few instances it has happened when they were playing and playing well, and then the older dog had enough. You know, I'm tired. I'm 11. You know, I'm done. Yeah. And she would, you know, indicate that. You know. To the younger dog, and then the younger dog would go after her. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah. I, I okay. Said, let like, me, yeah. Let right me. Now we don't have any toys. Yeah. 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 Stop. Don't. Yeah. Don't worry about it. It's. It's. I was just curious. So. So the reality is. Is. Um. You know, my job is to try to help you keep these guys safe, and um. So there's a couple different options, and and, and these are options that we'll talk out loud about. And then you can take this information and, you know, apply it to whatever makes sense to you and your family and your dogs. And so oh, one more thing, I'm sorry. I won't, the, the younger dog seems like hyper vigilant because she, she like watches shadows and she barks at the slightest sounds a lot. So I, I mean, I'm, so, I'm sorry to have interrupted you, but I just, I thought that was an important thing. Just 
she seems she's afraid of the cat <laughs> you know it's just she's right but that kind of anxious yeah but that's not i mean so there's a couple of different things it's it's um you you could you could have them you got to look at your what you want and what's going to be realistic for you um whenever you're getting two dogs like this that are fighting unpredictably you you have one easy option which is to keep them separated or um have them work with each other and or be around each other supervised kind of like what you're doing now seems like the younger dog has the muzzle and when they are interacting or around each other that's a controlled situation which is fine um it's it's just you have to look at the quality of the younger dog's life when she is muzzled um, and, and how much stress it puts on the family to have that happen. <clears throat> you could obviously keep them completely separated uh, just in general and, and bring them out. And you can kind of have a hybrid relationship where you can bring them out together when you're uh, walking them or uh, when maybe in the backyard when they're playing or something. Um, that's something that you can do because I don't think this is a matter of correcting the behavior when it happens because they're fighting. It almost seems like they're fighting very. Um, there, there's a there's 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 a trigger going on that you can't see that probably doesn't make any sense, and or it could just be, you know, one of them looked at each other wrong and bing bang boom. So I think it would be. I think it would be really easy for you to just have a couple different options and then pick what's best for you. But I think the option of having them completely separated and have a supervised um, playtime as well as – I don't think that the muzzle needs to be on when you're out going for walks or when you're bringing them into public places per se. Obviously, in the back, the back of the car, if you're transporting them, they should. Um, but I think that there's there's that option to say, look, okay, because you have to you have to – pick your battles is let's say I always try to put this in situations like if it were my dogs because I think that that helps you because I'm a dog lover and owner first way before I became a professional advice giver <laughs> so I if it were my two dogs I would say okay I I'm not gonna get rid of my dogs because I have the option to uh, manage this situation because of my obedience with my dogs my control with my dogs my understanding with my dogs and of course my ability to work from home 90% of my career. So if it were me, it would be muzzle on the aggressor if they're going to be out. Like right now, if I'm on the phone working and my dogs were out in the house, I'll have the aggressor probably with me or or one or the other. They would be here. The other one would be moving around the house. Um, if I came out the door, I would then kind of shoo the other dogs away and really just manage the situation, I guess, with obedience and just, hey, just really advocating for the situation. But if you're going to allow them to be outside and be in the backyard and be unsupervised, then you're, you got to look at the risk factor. What's the potential risk factor? Well, <clears throat> if there's two dogs who, because the hard thing is, is they're only fighting one out of a hundred times that they're together, right? It's not common. It's only happening once in a blue moon, but when it happens, it's not good. And you don't want it to continue to happen, especially for your older dog, because at 11 years old, you know, that's not fair for her, of course. Uh, and I know that you know that. So 
th- those are the types of things I would be doing is really managing the situation where you just, you just, it's inconvenient, but that gives you your cake and eat it too. Where you're, cause right now, if you're like, I'm just going to allow them to, to continue to do what they're doing. And if a fight happens, I'll break it up or, uh, things like that, then you're still exposing potential risk. But if you're hyper vigilant and you're managing the situation to say, okay, she's with me, the other dog's out there. Like if the aggressor, if you can pull your older dog with you and more times than not and shut the door, um, and things like that. I mean, those are the type of management things that I would particularly be doing. It doesn't fix the problem because the problem isn't fixable. The, the problem is, is when you have a dog that goes after another dog on that very instinctual level and that very random, you catch their eyes wrong and boom, they're fighting. I mean, again, it's not over toys. It's not, it's not necessarily over you. It's not over anything in particular. So you can't really, you can't really attack the source of the problem. Which, which is, again, you're going to spend the rest of your 11-year-old's life trying to figure out why the younger dog is doing this or aggressing this behavior. And you're still not going to be able to find it because you're going to say, well, on October 10th of this day, she looked sideways and that's when they fought. And then November 11th, uh, you're going to let them out back to play and then all of a sudden they're fighting again and nothing happened. So I wouldn't try to figure out unless it's really clear to you that you know why it's happening those are the things i would be doing is managing the situation so all of that depends on your avail- your availability your control your time your patience uh the other members of the family the consistency you can't just care one day and not care the other day because then something happens and you're right back where you started so I think that there's a lot of opportunity for you to be successful. I've had dogs who really just don't like each other at all. Not You're not dealing with that. You're dealing with this weird, random act of, hey, we're going to battle for no particular reason that you know of. I mean, between them it is. And I've had clients that have had dogs that really don't like each other. The dogs just do not get along because they don't like each other personally. And they're able to manage the situation through a lot of um, management and crate and rotate and the dogs live a just a happy life. They tolerate each other um, and the owners have the time and they put in the work to make it work. But I understand that not everybody has the patience and time and skill sets to, to do those things. Um, the other route is to muzzle the younger dog uh, and, and continue. There's so many different muzzles out there that you can get that are very non-aversive, non-invasive to the dog's life, meaning that they don't really care that it's on and they can breathe and they can drink and they can take treats um, and they can live that life, uh, which is, in my opinion, not a terrible thing depending on, uh, you know, how happy the dog is. Like if, if the younger dog is extraordinarily happy and a very fulfilled dog within your family and everything is great, and you muzzle condition this dog for the next month and the dog just doesn't care that it's on and say the once every two months a fight happens and nobody gets hurt and you go over and peel them apart, that's that's good. Um, that That's an option to do as well. It's just, again, do you want to muzzle condition the dog? Is the dog going to take to muzzle conditioning? Because there's also a good opportunity and a good chance that 
she just hates the muzzle and she's going to try to rip it off every second she has it on. Um, but so that's an option too. And then you just got to look at the other option of just saying like the quality of life for everybody in the family would be better if the younger dog got rehomed to a single dog home that didn't have another dog. And I know that that's not what you want to do, but those are the, like off the top of my head, the options, um, that I, that I, and you can kind of hybrid between all of these different options to see what works best for you. I would love to say, let's work on the problem and figure out why it's happening. But just in my experience, realistically, when you have something that's happening once every 90 days for really no apparent reason, you're going to spit, you're going to, there's going to be, you know, it's just, there's that kind of, that kind of blends in with the first option of just keeping them, Hey, you know, when you're, so there's triggers, there's definitely triggers. There's going to be bones, food, toys. Obviously those things are gone. There's going to be, um, the older dog getting grouchy after a certain amount of play. So, um, those are things to watch for. I mean, I can go over the things that can trigger a dog to, to get like this without you really knowing. And again, having an 11 year old dog playing with a young, younger dog, you may then get, um, the older dog to get like, okay, I'm, I'm done playing. I can't keep up with you and then get grouchy and correct the other dog. And the other dog says, Oh, well, I'm fighting you now. Um, you know, that could be a thing. Uh, also definitely funnels like stimulating funnels. So going out of doors, going into doors, Anything that can stimulate the two dogs where they're just close close counters with each other could result in a redirective, overstimulated, boiling over fight. Um, so they're taking all of that like, oh my God, who's here? Who's here? Who's here? I think somebody's here. Blah, 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 and then bang, they go after each other. Uh, like the postman coming, ding dong. Oh, blah, and then all this chaotic stimulation happens and then they go after each other because they don't know how to outlet that or they can't. <laughs> Any questions on any of that? Um, no, I, I understand. I understand. Um, the the younger we're using a, a Baskerville Ultra mm-hmm. on on the younger dog. Um, she doesn't like it when she when I first put it on. She tries to rub it off, but you know, after a couple of minutes, it really doesn't seem to be a big deal for her. Um, they they sleep okay together. There's not a. I, I'll take the muzzle off. She, the, you know, at night they they sleep in our room at the foot of our bed, um, and there doesn't seem to be a problem there. Mm-hmm. So I, um, I think, um, and I, I've watched I've watched a lot of your videos over the past month. I walk around the house with them like the kids do with their video game yeah, things. Yeah, great. So, um, so I think one thing I, I'm, I'm certain we have to do like um, threshold training because they do get really excited yeah. when they get go outside, and um, I think just um, reinforcing the basic obedience um, will probably help. Um, yeah, de- it will, it'll, it'll definitely, definitely, definitely help. So, and I, I realized last night cause I took, I took each dog out separately and, um, I realized how 
really lax we were with the older dog because uh put her on a leash to, to walk her around she's just all over the place um but i mean really hadn't been an issue before just our lifestyle and stuff just you know we're the dogs are pretty much homebodies and um you know they, they come when they're in the house or outside and stuff but out in public yeah she just she's not bad she's just really curious and wants to see everything so um yeah, I think I think that control will help, especially with the younger dog. Um, yeah, if, if they don't if if they don't have that filter of am I? It's like <clears throat> I always tell people, I have siblings, I have a brother and sister, so I always tell people, if you have the audacity to physically fight, like with my brother, uh, like if if I fought with my brother in front of my parents, it would just yeah, it wouldn't be good, you know. Like there's just no there's no respect there, so. That's the other thing to, to think about too is your overall control and structure and the way that your younger dog perceives you is also a thing. Like if your younger dog is like, I don't care if you're there, I'll do what I want. What are you going to do about it? You've never punished me for it. So then there's that filter too of not wanting to get in trouble. Um, I think that that's, I mean, all, all dog training, politics, techniques aside, if, if you really look at um, using any type of aversive or punishment at the end of the day it you if your dog doesn't have a little bit of fear in getting in trouble regardless of how you're doing it if you're yelling if you're whatever it doesn't matter the point is is if there's no filter to say like I don't want to get in trouble by mom or dad then they just act they just do and there's no filter there's no hesitation there's no regard to uh, respect or maybe I shouldn't do this because I don't want to get in trouble even though I really want to do this. So, I mean, yeah, that, that could totally be a factor. I think if you don't have good structure and you don't have good obedience and training right now, then that's the first thing I would be working on if you're planning on keeping them together and trying to make it work is like if you ca if I came over to your house right now and you said, hey, my dogs are fighting, that's my main problem, and I came over and they're all over the place and not listening to you, I wouldn't care about your big problem because the bigger problem is is your dogs aren't listening to you. So I can't it's – like, it's like when I show up to – like say I was building houses and I showed up to the house and I said – if I was building a brand new house and I told the contractor that I wanted to pick out my shutter color before the foundation's poured, he's going to say, well, that doesn't matter right now. We have to build your foundation first. Your walls aren't even up yet, dude. Like we gotta let let's work let's worry about that first. So it's a it's very similar that if you're having a behavioral problem with your dog, but your foundation and your control doesn't exist, I don't even I don't even I don't even think or respond to the behavioral problem because there's so much more work in mm -hmm. front of us than than that. Yeah. Well I could uh, I've been able to tell that um the younger dog has had some some pretty decent basic obedience. We, we got her from the Humane Society. They knew nothing about her. She, they got her from Alabama. Mm -hmm. And um, so, you know, there's no history, which I don't know, maybe I was foolish, but I just fell in love with her anyway. Yeah, but, um, and that's okay, but it doesn't matter. You know, like you're the new owner. So, mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, it'd be nice if somebody handed you over an instruction manual to the dog that they spent six months to a year training. But, I mean, when you get a dog, yeah. it doesn't matter if they're a puppy from a $5,000 litter or they're a mutt from Alabama. It's, it's, 
dogs, um, it, you know, like with people, like you show up to a place and there's automatically like a, a vibe. This is how things are going to go. Rather, it's good, bad, or ugly. And so, you know, don't don't get caught. I think, and I'm not just saying you, dog owners in general get caught up in that. They use the, um, they not as an excuse, but uh, as as like a as as a card to pull where we don't know much about the dog, or the dog was a rescue, or the dog was the dog. You know, it doesn't matter. I mean, you can shine that dog up to whatever you want. You know. Yeah, I just you know I. I... Not, I wasn't necessarily trying to use it as just, you know, that's another variable kind of information or lack thereof that I have. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it does. Yeah. Like what I was just saying, if she's from Alabama, it doesn't matter if it doesn't matter if she's from Zimbabwe. It's like, just, you gotta think about what's in front of you is, is mm-hmm. my point, you know? And and I understand what you're saying, but I have to play devil's advocate as a dog mm-hmm. owner and a, a professional to say like, no, I get it. Yeah, maybe she was a fighting dog before, and you don't know what her triggers are. Or you don't know if she didn't like other dogs before, and you're getting lucky. Or but at the at the end of the day, you know, you just look at what's in front of you and just say, hey, she's gotten along with my dog so far. Now we're having some problems, and you have to audit, you know, where your control is, mm-hmm. and uh, and just you know, pick up the pieces for, from where they are right now. Yeah. Okay. So. As yeah, in, the, yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was saying, so the, the, like the next big factor after getting the dogs, some reinforcing the obedience is going to be training my family. You know, that's part of, I think sometimes you get lucky and you get dogs that, just listen and they're great and the family just enjoys having a pet dog and other times you get dogs that need more consistency. So my suggestion with the family is to pick your battles. Um, if there's somebody in the family that isn't going to follow through with the things that need to happen, then I would suggest just limiting the amount of training that they do. Cause there's a difference between having somebody let your dog out, you know, for a play or a potty than actually training the dogs. So mm-hmm. biggest, the biggest concern would be if you said, go to your place down and stay, and it's something you've been training and reinforcing with leash pressure or something else, um, and it's something you've been practicing and you're, you're taking seriously, my concern would be um, somebody within the family doing that wrong and the dogs then pushing against and being opportunistic and, and taking advantage of that. So I always tell people that no training is better than bad training. Um, so if you're going to do a bunch of work yourself to get the dogs tuned up to listen and to be, uh, responsive to training on leash or off, uh, just saying like, Hey, I matter. And what I say goes, and you know, when I want you to go here and do this, this is what I want you to do. And it's, it's not an option. Like, so some people will do like remote collar training with their dog or even prong collar or slip collar training with their dog. And I just tell people that anybody that's not going to take things seriously or anybody that's not going to be mindful of, you know, how they're operating their dogs, uh, because for you, it could be a fight if they're not doing things right, which could mean stitches and pain and agony for the older dog. So I just be, be, that's my advice for that is just be very conscious and mindful of how that's going to work. Okay. Okay. Um, 
want to review like fitting the prong collar because the 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 younger dog responds i have a prong collar it's just a generic one Mm -hmm. i'm going to upgrade to the herm springer um it should you said it should fit right behind their ears along their neck It, it shouldn't slide down at all right um yes and no um it it's it's natural for it to slide down just a little bit and you just pull it back up. You don't want it to like when you put it on and it hits the bottom of the dog's neck. Yeah. That's, that's not good. You want it nice and snug right behind the ears. And if you're out and you're training, it'll, it'll come down a little bit and you just have to slide it back up every, you know, 15, 20 minutes. It's not a big deal. Um, but yeah, you don't want it. You don't, if you're, if you can put your prong collar on over your dog's head without taking it apart, it's too big. And if you put it on and then it falls to the bottom of the dog's neck, it's too big. So you want it nice and snug because that's the safest part to control. You don't want it on the dog's trachea or anything on, on lower than that because um, it just won't work. And that's where you could cause – just like the flat collar. The flat co- If you're using a flat collar for a dog that pulls, you can cause damage to their larynx and their trachea and um, all their soft tissue. So you want mm-hmm. it nice and snug pretty much on the muscles of the dog uh, right behind the ears. And okay. it is natural for it to slide down just a little. Okay. Um, yeah, because I, I don't, of course, I don't want it too tight either. Um, right. See. Um, I would, I can give you some, <clears throat> some exercises to start. Okay. Yeah. So first thing is I would train them separately because it'll be overwhelming for everybody if you're trying to do two dogs at once because that's a little hard, challenging. Um, so I would, I would, uh, get your, you can use a slip or your prong collar or your leash or whatever you want, um, to start. And, uh, the first thing you do is, is think, of, I always talk about micro macro. So little picture and big picture. And what I like to do is work on basic thresholds and thresholds can be obedience. Thresholds can be doorways and gates and things like that. But essentially what you want to do is you want to say, Hey, this is what I want you to do. And I'm going to follow through with this. So for an example, you put him on a leash, you go to your back door, you put the other dog away in the other room, you put the dog into a sit and that's where you're, that's where, that's where you start. You go up to the door, you ask a dog to sit. That's where you're going to know whether or not your dog is going to be responsive because you have two things is a, the basic sit for most dogs, um, is not as good as people think. So a lot of people will train in unrealistic environments by taking food and luring them around with food. And then they, they only understand sit with food or they only will sit for food, which is a problem for obvious reasons. The other thing is, is you're dealing with a, a, a small distraction of the door being right in front of the dog, which then means we're going out that door. It's a portal. It's like, Hey, I want through that. So you go up to the, because it's conditioning. You go up to the door with your dog, chances are every single time that you've ever done that, they go through it immediately. You open it and they're gone. So you, so again, it's this is what I want to do versus this is what you want the dog to do. Does that make sense? Yes. You go up to the door, you say sit, and that's the first step. If they don't sit, you're going to apply some pressure. Once they sit, you say good sit, and then you grab the door handle that is another trigger that the dog will probably get right up because they're like, Oh, we're, we're ready to leave. So again, micro macro, this is the problem. And this is also the solution is 
You grab the door, which then gets the dog excited uh, naturally to say, hey, this is exciting to me. This is what I want to do. This is, this is how I feel. We're about to go outside. This is great. <clears throat> so they get up, they break their sit, and they're ready to go. So that immediately, again, the micro is, is they broke their sit. Bad obedience. Nope, back into a sit. But the bigger picture is, is they are doing what they want when they feel like they need to do it, which, again, could possibly be uh, in some degree why they might be fighting without you know, without any uh, regrets or without any filters. Just in general, it's not about the fighting. It's just about having that control where your dog is like, I'm going to listen to you because you're in charge and I don't want to get in trouble and I respect you. And whenever, whatever you tell me, you know, just like with, with anything else, I think with, with parenting, with managing staff, I mean, when I ask you to do something, it's because I was put in charge for a reason. <laughs> I am, I have thumbs and you don't, and I'm a human and you're not. So let's listen. So, so, so that's, that's the type of stuff you would do is you'd put the dog into a sit and that may take you two or three days. Honestly, some people struggle with that so hard because your relationship with the dog is so conditioned off of just, there's no filter. Go, 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 go. I, I don't, I don't, I don't even think about doing something. Like if I throw a ball to my dog, they're going to go after it. But if I say sit and I throw the ball, they're going to, they're not going to touch it. They're not even going to look at it until I release them for that. Um, and that's without any equipment on ever. That's just because they listen to me. So, so that's the first step. And you can implement that with both dogs, but it's, it's essentially asking them to do something and then testing it out through, you know, just through some trials of not teasing, but, um, I I guess giving them an opportunity to make a mistake and making sure that they understand that they can't, you're, you're proofing them through stuff. Don't make bad decisions. You got to listen to me. And that's Mm -hmm. something that I think that you should start with. And you could do that with both dogs. And then eventually it'll look like this. You walk up to the door, sit, boom, they sit, good sit. And then you could do stay or wait if you want. If you're not doing implied sits, you grab the door, you swing it open, it's wide open. They look at you, they look outside, they wag their tail. They're like, oh, can I go yet? Can I go yet? You say, break, and then boom, they go outside. So that's the first step. That's what it should look like. Um, And you could do that with both dogs. And then the next exercise would be the place command. So the place, the place command is teaching your dog how to go to an elevated targeted area. I like using elevated beds because it's very targeted. You can use anything, a towel, a yoga mat, a regular bed. Um, it doesn't really matter. We just like using the elevated beds because it's, it's just something that the dogs really like and they're comfortable with. So that's the other thing that you could do is send your dog to a place. They go to their place and you can start with just leash pressure. You get, you get a bag of food out. You get their favorite treats out. You walk up. You say place. They're like, I have no idea what that is. And you just give them a little bit of leash pressure. You're not correcting them. You're just giving them a little pressure. And then when they get there, you're paying them. Yes, good place. And then you pay them. And then you give them a break. And you come off of that. And then you do it again. And you're going to do that over and over again uh, until the dog understands that place means that they have to get on to the, to the cot or the bed until you then release them or break them off. Does that make sense? Yes. So the ultimate goal would be after you've worked on that, you're going to go over the distance, distraction, and duration, the three Ds, something I talk about often. You're going to be able to send your dog from a place from really anywhere in the house should be your goal. They go to, like if I told my dog to go to her crate, she would go, she would go find her crate anywhere in the house. She'd go there. She, she might not want to or she might, 
be like, oh, do I have to? But she'll go because I told her to. So sending your dog to the place is something you should be able to do anywhere in the house and then asking them to stay. You can do a down stay, you can do a sit stay, or you can just do a regular stay where you're like, I don't really care if you do jumping jacks on the place. I just want you here at this area right here. Don't move. This is your spot. And that would that that's going to look like um, that when that's done. And you can have two different places for both dogs. So you can say, go to your place, and then they go there. They sit there, and they wag their tail, and they're waiting for some sort of food. And you go, and you say, yes, good place, and you pay them. That's, <clears throat> that's what that looks like. And so, again, it, it's, it's dispersing any type of tension, any type of possibility. So somebody rings the doorbell, and it's, it's your neighbor that wants to come over and say hello. The dogs are going to go, somebody's here. Somebody, this is natural for dogs to do. So again, you're not going to be able to tell them not to get excited about the neighbor or get excited about the mailman or whatever it is. They're going to say, hey, somebody's here. Okay, got it. Your dogs go to your place. And if your obedience is good, they will go there. If your obedience is not good, they will not. They will sit there. And, and so again, micro macro. They're not going to their place command, which is the micro. They just won't leave the door area. The bigger picture is, is you say, here's what I want you to do. They go, yeah, I know what you want, but I'm not going to do it. That's a problem. That's a big problem in your relationship. That's a big problem in your communication. That's a big problem with you saying, just like with anything else. Like with an employee, you say, I need you to show up at 8 because clients are getting there at 8. And I was here since 11. I can't be here at 8 a.m. You know, And they show up at 8.30, 9 o'clock, 8.30, 9 o'clock, 8.30, 9 o'clock. And if you don't do anything about that, that's not going to change. But the problem is, is when you ask and tell somebody to do something that you're responsible for, that, that they are supposed to listen to you, and they deliberately say, nah, I'm not doing it, that bubbles up everywhere. So if I say, hey, take out the trash, they're like, well, you don't really care. You don't really punish me for not do. Like, if I don't do anything about it, they're never going to stop doing it. They're just going to keep pushing and pushing and pushing the envelope until they just manipulate the entire world to whatever they want to do. And that's what dogs will do. And they don't do it maliciously for the most part. They do it because they're opportunistic. And if you say, go to your place, and they look at you and they go, nah, I don't want to. And then you say, okay, fine. Then they're not going to listen to you when they're about to get into a fight. They're not going to listen to you when you say, come. They're not going to listen to you. Anytime that they feel like they want to do something other than listen, they will because you're not reinforcing it. It's like the boy oak red wolf type thing. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yes. So those are like very small. Uh, hu- okay, so small in a sense of the obedience is something that you can start working on tonight. But those will really help your relationship with your dogs. And of course, the place command is nice for those situations where somebody comes over. There's a there's a stimulated time. You can say, "Hey, go to your place. Go to your place." And one of them can go place in a crate. One of them can go place in a bed. But that's something that you have to work on probably for two weeks before you do it in reality. Okay. Probably. And, and some people don't, you know, I say two weeks cause I think that that's a fair chance for just a pet owner to, to work on that with. But again, you have to really audit. <clears throat> okay. We're going to have these two dogs who have the potential to go after each other. They have a history of going after each other, but you can't get them to do X, whatever that is for you. I don't know. I mean, if it's anything, that's a problem. But if they don't listen well, that's a problem. If they don't listen off leash at all, I mean, those are all problems that if you're going to say, I'm going to manage this situation with both dogs and make it successful through control and leadership and um, 
just just not letting them exposed to certain situations to potentially have a fight you have to be able to you're not you're not going to be able to just say hey don't fight and they go oh, okay don't fight <laughs> you're going to have to your recall has to be good your leave it has to be good your place has to be good your stay has to be good all of those things have to be in place before you interject in reality mm-hmm. um I didn't dis, uh, distance distraction. What was the third Dura- duration? Duration. Yep. Okay. So the duration of uh, how long they stay, or how long they heal, or how long they sit, things like that. Okay. Um. So, I guess what other what what should be the progression for the commands so that we're building this? You know, you should talk, said the, th- the threshold and set. Yeah. Place, and then like, I'm thinking, leave it next. Yeah, leave it. Yeah, leave it. Something that you can do. Um, all of the things that we talked about that you can build out to like the three Ds of of you know, there's no there's no end to what you can do. So, what it would look like for an advanced like a door sit, which is the first thing we talked about, would be sit, stay, turning your back to the dog, which is a step, walking away from the dog with your back turned, which is a step, going outside, which is another step, and then disappearing out of picture is another step. That's three, four, potentially five different steps that you'd have to incrementally get to. So so just getting creative or uh, knocking on the front door and asking the dogs to place as they're placing. Um, you know, there's so many different variables. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, the the leave it would be, uh, another another thing uh, that you can work on, and the leave it is difficult mainly because if you're going to be applying the leave it to them potentially getting aggravated or frustrated or uh, building tension with each other, you can't work on the leave it unless they're doing that, which isn't rand or which is random and not consistent. Right. So what I like to do is work on leave it with things that are a similar in currency. So think about if they really want to do something or they, they have the inkling to really go out and do something. It's your job to say, Nope. Uh, uh-uh. so, so that's something that you can work on with what I do with food or balls or toys or whatever their favorite thing is in the whole world. Again, you would start from basics, just mm-hmm. like all the other stuff that we talked about. You'd start from a very small scale of on leash using food um, I have a video on it on YouTube, but 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 essentially that's what you would do is you would put the food down or put the ball down and uh, the dog would say, oop, that's mine. And you'd say, leave it. And then you give the dog some sort of pressure for, for going after that item. Um, and then once they, un- once they recluse from, so for food, it's easy. I take a handful of food. I, I, I drop a kibble on the ground. They try to go for it. Leave it. Correction. I do it again. They go for it. Leave it correction. Again, leave it correction. They go, what the hell? This is teasing. I say, well, kind of, but listen, you got to listen, buddy. I drop it again. I say, leave it. And then they go, whoop, I don't want to get in trouble. Yes. Bang. You pay him. Good. Leave it. You pay him right from you. So they learn. I mean, that's just a really easy, mm-hmm. fast way to start that process. And um, so the leave it is actually an, a, a disengaging command and you can do it. You can make the distractions higher and higher. You get, you see people sometimes do it with like food on their paws or food all around them and they have to just and you know it, it is a bit unfair but at the same time it's like they have to listen and they have to understand that they can't just 
again, micro macro, like they're not going for the food, but you told them to not do that. And they go, okay, fine. So that's how you could do that. But, but I think recall would be something that you could mix in there too, making sure that, um, you know, if there's a situation where one is at the door and then the other thinks that there's somebody at the door and they go running over, having a recall with one of the dogs to literally pull them out manually zoop, right back to me. So there's no problems. I think that that would be a great exercise for you to do. If at okay. any time they're together off leash anywhere in the house or on the property and you can ask one to come to you on command and pull them away from the situation would be invaluable because you would eliminate any potential build. Okay. Um, should, should I take them someplace away from the house to initially, initially, um, start with some of these commands or, um, should I just, cause one of the dogs is probably going to be distracted. If I, if I put one of them in a, in a room, mm -hmm. they're, they're going to whimper and whine mm -hmm. and want to be out. Mm -hmm. Um, but if I remove one from the property, because like last night I took them, I took them downtown separately. Yeah. And while there were distractions, they they weren't home and the other dog wasn't there. So I guess where where should I start this? Well, you could you could go uh, out of the property, whatever you know. I just want you to do whatever you're comfortable with. But you got to look at the distraction levels, like a dog in the other room whining because they can't come out is not going to be as distracting as a dog right in front of the other dog as you're working. So it's a little bit realistic, but um, you don't want to build tension between the two and build jealousy between the two as well. So it just depends. I mean, I work with people who have a 55,000 square foot, 40 acre property in the middle of nowhere that can put a dog on the other side of the state in their house and they'll never even know that they're working. So it just depends on how your house is set up, how your property is set up, you know, where your rooms are, um, where your garage and your basement and your crate. I mean, it just depends. So ideally, you would just put one away, and they would be away, and you'd work with one. And then eventually, once your place becomes good, you can put one place on one side of the room and the other place on the other side of the room, and you work them you, you work them dually like that. You say, okay, place, and you grab the other one. That That would be something that you can do, but you're not going to be able to do that until the, their play stay is really good leading up right. to those distractions. So, yeah, I mean, you can make a call on that to see what's going to be best. But like I said, it's just, you have to look at, um, how much work you're, you're putting in to get away from reality, you know, mm -hmm. meaning okay. if, if the other dog is whining in the other room, that's going to be a minor distraction compared to, the dog standing right next to the dog as they're working. You know what I'm saying? So. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. I, I, I think I, um, I, I feel much better. Um, I think I have a plan. Good. Um, yeah. Yeah. Just, and just most control. of the whole time they've been laying side by side under my feet. Well, I'm doing this. So, it's, yeah, it's, it's not like they don't like each other. It's just w one triggers. And yeah. so. Yeah. Yeah. And unless you can figure, I mean, that would be ultimate. But realistically, yeah. it's just. It's, 
not it's, gonna happen i don't think it's gonna be yeah it's gonna be pretty difficult for you to really isolate that trigger and then once you do it, maybe it's something that's not realistically fair for you to even expect because it's like oh it's like when they look at each other this way that you know it's like okay well then they can't look at each other it's like how realistic is that so that's why i just say like control um and safety like muzzling and obedience but think about like i think the takeaway is if you're having a behavioral problem with your dog and you can't communicate with them in a way with obedience doesn't matter like you you could put two million dollars in cash on this table right now and i wouldn't be able to help you with your behavioral problem if you can't do basic obedience with your dog mm -hmm. it just it, it's 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 like you know picking the shutters out before the foundation's built it makes no sense and it's not it's just not going to work so that's what I would work on. In your relationship, again, your relationship is the bigger picture. That's what's going to get better. They're going to start caring about what you say, what you do, what you ask them to do, um, all of that. To, and then I think the biggest piece to that is reinforcement, making sure like asking your dog to do something and then them not doing it are two different things, you know? Like if you say, hey, sit, and they're like, nah, I'm not going to sit. I know what it means, but I'm not doing it. And you just walk away. That's a huge problem, huge problem. That's what people deal with. 95% of my clients are dealing with that is they, they try to train without reinforcements with mm -hmm. dogs. I mean, like I said, you don't have to use them. Not every dog needs that, but, and sometimes you get lucky with a dog that just listens cause they, they listen, but a lot of dogs are just like Nana and boo, boo. What are you going to do about it? Especially younger dogs, you know, more dogs, you know, people get dogs like a border collie or a German shorthead pointer and they get it into their family that lives in a 800 square foot apartment with a family and, they wonder why their dog is hyperactive, you know, and it's like that dog yeah. is not supposed to be living in that environment. And if it is, you have to really make sure that you're putting in the work to fulfill the dog. And so there's just so much that goes into it, but that's a big, big part of it is making sure your dogs will respond to you. Well, thank you very much. And I'm going to keep watching your videos. <laughs> okay, great. Good luck with everything. Thank you, Tom. All Take right. care. Yep. Bye-bye. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to fifteen hundred dollars back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. 
And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com.